0: We all know that photography is hugely competitive these days. We feel it really acutely. And one of the biggest frustrations that I hear from a lot of photographers is that they are struggling to market their businesses effectively. So today I'm going to talk about the biggest mistake that I see most photographers making in their marketing strategy and how a simple mindset shift can help make your marketing much more effective. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Hey guys, I hope you're having a wonderful day. As you know, today I want to talk about marketing, but I want to start by telling you a story about when I was a little kid. My dad is something of an amateur carpenter, and when I was little, he used to have me um, help him in the way that little kids help make bluebird houses for our yard. So it's a relatively simple box construction and he would get out the pieces of wood and I would help sand and, you know, he would make the cuts and then I would help join them together and help with the glue and all that sort of thing. And it's a thing that I have very fond memories of from when I was little. And he would teach me while we were building these bluebird houses about how, Bluebird houses are super specific because they have to be, or they won't attract bluebirds. Bluebirds are apparently very particular in the exact kind of house that they want to build a nest in. So they have to be a certain size and certain dimensions, and the opening in the box has to be a certain number of inches from the bottom, and it has to be a certain size. And then once you've built the box, you have to put it facing a certain direction and and hang it on a a pole of a certain height. And so all these things you you have to take into account when you're building a bluebird house. But not only that, bluebirds are also very um, susceptible to predators. So like snakes and cats and things like that so in addition to building a box that will attract a bluebird you also have to build a box that's going to actually protect against predators and keep them out so why am i telling you this story about bluebirds and bluebird houses well when i started my own business and took the very first marketing class that i ever took the person who was teaching the course was talking about you know figuring out who your ideal client is And all of a sudden, this lesson about bluebird houses came rushing back to me because basically what my instructor was saying was you need to find your perfect client and try and communicate directly with them. That's what your marketing is. And I thought, wow, it's exactly like when I was building bluebird houses with my dad. The point there is that you're trying to attract bluebirds, not other birds, And you're trying to keep out the snakes. So ever since then, I have thought about marketing the same way that I think about building a bluebird house, which is basically that everything that you do around the construction of your business and the promotion of your business should be designed to attract this one ideal client And in order to do that and do that effectively, you have to get really, really clear on who your bluebird is. So if you are building a bird house, just a a house that will, you know, some sort of structure that will attract nesting birds, you can follow all kinds of different prescriptions for that. But if you want bluebirds specifically, you have to build directly for them. So um, several years ago, I was reading an article, and it was about Anthropologie, which is a women's clothing store, if you happen not to be familiar with it. They have attained essentially a cult-like following. They have a very cool um, kind of hip sensibility. Their stores are really beautiful. They, uh, they build their brand on everything from the look and feel of the, cl- the store's And the clothing itself to also, you know, this one particular candle scent that is in all of their stores. So as soon as you walk into Anthropology, you know exactly where you are. It has this very familiar smell and feeling. And um, they had been known in the industry to be this marketing powerhouse and people were super dedicated to them. So the article that I was reading was an interview with one of their marketing directors And the interviewer was asking, you know, how has anthropology achieved this um, cult like following? And how have you been so successful at connecting with so many people? And the sort of surprising answer was that anthropology, every, uh, I think it was every season, so at the beginning of the season, their marketing team sits down and they have these, you know, days long meetings to determine who their client that I think they call them their muses. So who their muses for that season are. And they have four or at the time of the interview, they had four. And one was like the artist and one was the businesswoman and one was the bohemian. And I can't remember exactly what they were, but they had four sort of archetype uh, muses and Every season they would create an entire persona around that uh partic- those four women. So they would give them names, they would give them backstories, they would talk about what they did for work. They would um they wrote these pages long narratives all about this one fictional woman and they made her hyper real. And then they distributed those materials to all of their designers and their buyers and the people who put together their um, their store displays and their window displays, all of that stuff. And every season, those four muses were the inspiration for all of the marketing and all of the buying that went into the store. So, So the reason I say that that is a surprising answer is because that's very specific. That's not saying like, hey, ladies of you know all stripes, come out and buy clothes from anthropology. It's basically trying to attract these very four specific women. But what happens is when you get super specific, it allows your messaging to become extremely consistent. And that is appealing to a wide range of people. So perhaps... A woman doesn't necessarily fit the profile of one of the four muses, but maybe she has aspirations to be to to fit that um, sort of personality or that um, that lifestyle or whatever. And anthropology was selling it; is selling it really effectively because they're being so consistent. So I thought that was really um, inspirational. Uh, and it specifically resonated with me because I like anthropology and I like shopping there. So I was like, oh, I totally, this is marketing that works for me. So then I started trying to brainstorm how I could have a similar kind of marketing strategy to anthropology. And it all kind of came back to that Bluebird House idea. Anthropology was marketing to four bluebirds that they had defined and they were defining every quarter. and as independent business people and photographers, I would say you probably don't need to address this four times a year. Maybe you should look at it once a year, but it's probably going to be a relatively stable Bluebird client over time. And um, and I not only went through and did another deeper dive version of my um, ideal client avatar worksheet, I then took that those questions. And I wrote out an entire um, couple of paragraphs about my Bluebird client. I gave her a name. I talked about where she lived. I talked about her like daily routines. I talked about the vacations that she and her family took, all of those things. And it helped me get super clear. This was not a real person. It was, I sort of used bits and pieces of some of my best clients over time to, to Frankenstein her together. But it wasn't, it it was no one single person. It truly was this sort of ideal, um, client for me. And then every single time that I sat down to do just about anything in my business. So working on, you know, choosing my portfolio or writing copy or anything at all, That was the person that I was thinking of. So all of a sudden it became much easier to come up with marketing ideas because I was thinking of like, oh, where might I run into her? Or writing copy on my website or any of that stuff. I would basically sit down and try and very clearly visualize her. And then I would imagine like, okay, if we're having a conversation, how would I talk to her? That's my copy. If I were showing her some of my photos, which ones would she like, ooh, and ah over? Those are the photos that I use in my Instagram feed and my website. Um, If I went to her house, how would she have photos displayed on the walls? Boom, there are the products that I want to sell. And then there's also the matter of money. I mean, obviously, one of the things that you have to reconcile when it comes to your bluebird is that she is going to need to be able to afford you. And I understand that it may feel like a little icky <laughs> limiting your bluebirds to a specific socioeconomic status, but part of that is just reality. If someone is going to be a good client for you, they're going to need to be able to afford what it is that you offer. And I also wanna be really clear, although it's important that your bluebird have enough money to afford you, she's also going to need to place enough value on what you offer that she chooses to afford you. I think a lot of people get caught up looking for, um, just sort of like blanketly rich clients, but I will be perfectly honest. My bluebird, although she makes a good living, um, she is not like wealthy with a capital W. She usually is part of a dual income family, Um, she lives in a nice house, but it's a normal house and, um, and her house is filled with like handmade things or things that she's picked up on travel, uh, you know, on her travels, um, she invests in original art. Um, she and her family are much more likely to go on a, uh, you know, when they go on vacation, they're going to go stay in like a funky Airbnb downtown somewhere rather than an all-inclusive resort. Um. And does that mean that people who are all-inclusive resort people don't hire me? Absolutely not. They do hire me because, again, although my messaging has become very specific and narrow, it creates this aspirational picture for kind of a wide range of people. Not a huge range, but a range. So my Bluebird clients are not uh, few and far between. There are plenty of them out there, and none of them are exactly like my my bluebird, my avatar, but, um, but they exhibit certain qualities that the bluebird has that are necessary for someone to want to work with me and for that to be a good client fit for me. So today I have created a free worksheet that you can download to help you figure out who your bluebird is with that same level of specificity. And I don't doubt that you've done Um, exercises like this before but I've really put a lot of thought into the questions that I've put in there that I think will help you um, specifically with photography clients because some of the things have to do with those aesthetic values and investing in custom things whereas when you look at just sort of generic marketing um, worksheets for ideal client avatars that it 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 can be a little less specific, so hopefully that's helpful. And then also, I have included a an example. It's kind of a short example, but it's an example of a narrative that um, mirrors that narrative that I was talking about, where you take all the answers to that those questions, and you kind of shake them up in your head and and create this um, this story about your ideal client. Now. I realize that this is sort of broad marketing advice and I'm sure that there are some of you out there who are like, okay, okay, but how do I get an extra hundred likes on my Instagram or who, how do I, um, you know, connect with 20 new clients who are going to hire me in the next month or whatever. And I, I do understand that, but, um, and, and I will get to, covering some marketing ideas that are more specific. But I will not, and I hate to disappoint. <laughs> I will not be giving you these like quick marketing hacks and tips because I generally find that those kinds of um quick you know tactics for marketing what they do At their most successful is that they provide a false sense of success. So maybe you put together like a mini session series that is um, cheap and you run ads to it and you know you fill them up and you feel like great I'm super busy and all these people are going to turn into loyal clients of mine. Generally speaking what what that is is that is like a giant net to catch any bird's and probably some raccoons and snakes and cats. (laughs) Um, And it gives you, again, this like false sense of um, success because you have that feeling of being busy or you get the serotonin hit that happens when you get a bunch of new likes on Instagram. Um, But they almost always, those tactics almost always rely on relatively desperate measures that are focused on the quantity of people that they attract instead of the quality And, um, and if you're attracting just any old bird, and certainly if you're attracting snakes, you are actually sabotaging your chances of finding bluebirds because bluebirds have a tendency to see that and then just stay away entirely. I am a big believer that marketing done right is a long game, which is not to say that your efforts can't have any quick or short-term success. They absolutely can but there is a lot of photographer noise out there and uh, marketing should be looked at as a trust building exercise and building trust with your bluebirds really relies on connecting with them genuinely and then providing consistent messaging over time. And that is what this worksheet is designed to help you do. So again, I hope you'll grab the worksheet. You can get it at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash bluebird or you can follow the link in the show notes and um, and have fun with it. Getting really clear on who your ideal client is is the first step in creating a profitable, sustainable business that you love. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.